Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. to the 96th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz, and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good pal, Floyd Johnson Jr. Floyd, how you doing real quick? I am doing great. It's been a great Thursday. I got my COVID shot uh, vaccine yesterday, and my arm... It's finally starting to be less sore, so good day. That's good. Actually, my grandma just got it today, too, and I'm really, really happy she was able to get uh, penned in to get the vaccine, so really happy about that. But it is not just us two for this episode of All Things Elite. We are joined by the one and only Social Suplex member, Jeremy Donovan. Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks so much for having me back on All Things Elite. Yes, it is. I am very happy for keeping it strong style to be joining us because we got a big match this week, and I and you know I listen to the show almost every week. Let's let's be real. Uh, the show the show is really informative. I, I enjoy it, and it keeps me from having to watch the Road Two shows. <laughs> hey, that's our thing, man. We watch the Road Two shows, so you don't have to. <laughs> exactly, and I uh, I remember. Uh, I think it was 2019. I was really into New Japan, and I was watching everything. And it is exhausting. I don't know how you do it. Yeah, dude, it, it, it's rough, especially you know trying to keep up with AEW and 
watching any other great match from around the world that comes up. You know, I've, I've had, you know, I've, I've been trying to keep up with stardom, but it just kind of fell off my plate. Uh, trying to keep up with that, you know, try to watch NXT and try to watch, you know, I even caught an episode of Ring of Honor this weekend. There's so much great wrestling going on around the world. It's hard to keep up with, but obviously New Japan is my priority. So I, I have to cut out time to, to watch those road twos and all the big shows. I I actually really, really want to watch Stardom and get into Stardom. James makes me very excited because how much of how passionate he is about Stardom and how much he talks about it. I literally would have to cut something. Like yeah, it, it's it's just so hard, especially with their shows. Like they they're on delay, like for a full show. Like they kind of release the matches piece by piece, and then eventually the whole show comes up. So it's really it's really hard to to miss to avoid spoilers, and then also it's just hard to find time for it. Yeah, yeah, it it, it is a commitment to make, and not only I'm one of the weird ones. Not only do I watch wrestling, I know wrestling is your preferred form of entertainment, but I also watch TV shows and all that kind of stuff. So I would literally have to cut out a section to be able to keep up with Josie. Yeah. And I've been, you know, watching WandaVision every week, you know, that's big time for that, you know, with, with the hex and, you know, what's going on there. So yeah, there's a lot of great TV, a lot of great wrestling. It's, it's hard to, to watch it all. <laughs> we are all very spoiled in terms of the amount of content that we are being fed currently. And with the pandemic, it's just more so because we can't leave our fucking houses. <laughs> Seriously. But thanks again to Jeremy for joining on. Obviously, if you guys want to check out Jeremy in his natural habitat, keeping it strong style is one of the social suplex podcasts that you guys can check out. And we're going to plug everything here with all things elite real quick before we get into the show, because we got a lot to talk about. Make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify, you can also share the podcast around with your friends, family, whoever. You can leave a rating and review. If you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. And if you want to support us the easy and old-fashioned way, I guess, we're on Twitter. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this possible. I am at SZoomer4. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And Jeremy, where can people find Keeping It Strong Style and yourself on Twitter? You can find Keeping It Strong Style at KI Strong Style. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. All right. But real quickly, let's get into the big news of the week. And that is uh, we got a big time acquisition that was announced before Dynamite and the announcement of a brand new show. First up, the legendary Paul White. Well, it's the big show. Big show has been signed by AEW and he will be a part of the brand new show, AEW Dark Elevation, which will be launching March 15th and will be airing every Monday at 7 o'clock Eastern on AEW's YouTube channel. And this came out of left field, I think, for everybody when it comes to the pro wrestling world, because if there was anybody that you could go to and be like, that is a WWE guy through and throughout. They'd probably go Big Show, which is interesting because he started off well-known as the Giant in WCW. But, you know, he, he's been around WWE for multiple years, like 20-plus years, I believe. So I felt like a lot of people were thinking he was getting near the end of his career and that people were thinking he'd retire in WWE. Not the case. He is going to be on WWE on AEW, sorry. And he will be on as a commentator with Tony Schiavone for this new AEW Dark Elevation show. However, they did... Uh, tease about the fact of him possibly getting in the ring as well, and I think Big Show has made it very clear, Paul White has made it clear that he has 
stuff left in the tank that he feels like he can give. But this was a huge announcement over the week, and I feel like this is a really big positive. Now, I have no idea what to expect with AEW Dark Elevation because as we talk about AEW Dark, literally last week, they had a two-hour-long episode. So it's literally the length of Dynamite now with how long the show has been. So the only thing I wonder is that with this show being added, is Dark's time going to get cut and then they're going to make that show like an hour less to watch or and then put that into Elevation? What are we going to see that's different from Dark on Elevation? There's... There's a lot of interesting thoughts. I want to get Jeremy's thoughts on this first, real quick, about the acquisition of Paul White and the brand new show Elevation. What you thinking, man? Yeah, man, the giant is back on TNT. Man, this was very surprising news. You know, for us here at Social Suplex, you know, it's very hard for us to really be surprised by anything in wrestling. You know, a lot of us are. You know, subscribe to The Observer. We're listening to Dave every week. We're subscribed to Voices of Wrestling, Patreon. We are all we have all these news sources that we're, we're listening to. You know, we, we have some of us are friends at wrestlers. And, you know, we have some inside sources. And so, you know, normally we're pretty privy on stuff that's going on. It, it's very hard and just in general to surprise wrestling fans nowadays. But when I'm, you know, working at home here and seeing, you know, somebody pops in the messenger that Paul White had signed with Big Show, I was literally shocked. Like you mentioned, you know, uh, Paul White's one of those guys that you expect to be a WWE lifer. Um, just where a majority of his career is, his highlights, is probably his best matches have all been WWE. And so that that's a big, you know, monumental jump. That's almost as big as Chris Jericho, a guy who once said that he would never work anywhere in the U.S. except WWE. Is, is that kind of big monumental jump and... I know there are a lot of AEW haters out there that are complaining um, about the big show joining WWE and, you know, oh, it's a part-timer. I thought we hated part-timers. And, hey, I, I think it's a great sign. I think AEW has proven that they know how to utilize um, legendary talent like the big show. And we, we've seen guys like Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, Taz, a lot of these guys utilize in either commentary or managerial roles. And they use them to complement the talent and not to overshadow the talent. So I think uh, having Big Show on commentary for Elevation should be great because he's a, you know, a great personality. I've heard him on podcasts before and, you know, he's a great talker. And then, you know, you do the occasional match with him, you know, kind of like we're going to do a sting coming up at Revolution. You do the occasional big match with him. You don't put him on Dynamite every week. Um, you know, you, you put him out there every once in a while, occasionally. Build up a big match, and you can help him get a big guys like Wardlow and Lance Archer, uh, Will Hobbs over. This is war. That's my dream match. Wardlow versus Big <laughs> Show now. I didn't even know that was a dream match. I stopped creating dream matches with Big Show about two years ago because I figured he was WWE for life. Uh, the Big Show show on Netflix, I loved that show because I love like Disney-style family comedies. And I was like, oh, when it got canceled, I was so... I was so hurt, and then it looks like that opened up some windows. Uh, I know Big Show uh, wanted to help the younger guys. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to work at the Performance Center. He wanted an on-screen role to help get people over. WWE seems like they weren't interested. You know, everybody's like, well, come on over to AEW. You know, apparently they just let his contract expire. They didn't come where they needed to on the money, so... Yeah, I am glad. I woke up, I saw it, and of course I didn't go back to sleep. I was done. So I was like, dude, this is crazy. Uh, I'm very excited. I find uh, I've anytime I've seen Paul White 
in a like interview segment or just talking with his friends and all that stuff. The dude is hilarious. So I am looking forward to him bringing that to the show, getting some people over. What I expect from Elevation is the people that need more work. Like, there is a lot of established talent on AEW that have been working the indies for like 15 years. They're not going to be on Elevation. This is going to be for like top flight. And um, uh, I even say to a lesser extent, private party. People that just don't have a ton of matches under their belt. So they can develop and, you know, and then it'd be like, so they got this promotion set up. Like you start off on elevation, maybe you stay there six months to a year and then you start getting jobber matches on dark and then they start establishing who you are and maybe you eventually ended up on dynamite. And it's just, you know, when you don't, because the indie scene is, you know, somewhat quiet because of the COVID, they basically made their own indie show and said, hey, we're going to develop our own people the way we want to on our on uh, on YouTube, which, again, I will always say this and I want to throw this out there. YouTube is available to more people than cable. So it's a way to get exposure the right way. And I, I'm, I'm very excited about all of it. Uh, I hope we finally get Big Show and check. I was going to say, uh, now you get a little bit of a, they faced, last time they faced off was WrestleMania 32, so there's been a big gap between last time they faced off, and if Shaq wants to stick around, we know exactly who he'll face next time, but it's interesting, though, I want to say, too, about Elevation, with AW Elevation, AW Dark, and Dynamite, shout out to our British fans, if there are any listening, uh, it's like AEW has created their own, like, uh, division system, like, Premier League, like Champions League, and then just going down, down, like people working their way up to the main show, which I'm, I'm, I'm much more interested to think, like, I feel like Elevation would be a lot more free-for-all in terms of, like, who gets the push, who doesn't. It's really just a kind of a feel thing. Whereas when you turn into Dark, you know, like, the people that you expect to win are probably going to win, which is probably why a lot of people don't, like, watch it in full, especially now that they've pushed their re- recent episode to two hours. It's just so so much like like when i'm trying to catch up on nxt too making sure that i can i don't fall off on that like dark had to hit that just because i was like there's too much but yeah i think paul white like has shown like on appearances and such that he is a really good talker i haven't seen him much in terms of commentary so i'm sure shivani can really help him fit in that role but uh, I'm, I will be intrigued to check out to see exactly what Elevation is. Um, but going real quickly into one last little news update that we have before we get into the BTE recap. Um, we had another AEW Games to Show uh, episode appear on the YouTube channel for AEW and AEW Games. And all this really showed was the how they're doing uh, sound effects for the console game that's created by Yukes. Uh, a little small update about the GM game that uh, Aubrey Edwards is sharing. And then we got the announcement that the AEW Double or Nothing Casino game is dropping. They gave us a release date finally, and it's tomorrow. We are recording this on Thursday, uh, February 25th. So February 26th is when they're releasing their first game, the casino game. It's a casino mobile game. I don't know what anyone else was expecting. I do think it's funny how it took them this long to release it, but... 
I mean, it's a casino game. I don't know what else people expect. Yeah, like, yeah, like people have been complaining because literally once you get inside the game, and this is from screenshots we've seen, and it's apparently already on iOS, so you Apple people can already download it. But I will check that right now, actually. Like, when you get in... It. Yeah, when you're in the game, I'm an Android guy, so I'm I'm lame. I gotta wait. No, uh, no. Once you uh, once you get in the game, it's like I saw on the craps table, the table was double or nothing. Said double or nothing, but the slots slots you would think would be AEW theme with like the AEW logo, dynamite, whatever. No, that's not it. It's just a regular slot game. Um, yeah, I like I said, I've seen complaints. Me personally, I don't play a lot of games on my mobile phone. So, I mean, I, I play Harry Potter, Wizard Tonight. That's about it. And other than that, I just kind of, there's stuff on there. So I'll download it so they get the download. And if I'm ever in a place where I don't have the internet or like somewhere, I'll, you know, I'll probably throw the game on and play a, play a couple hands of craps or something or a couple of games of craps. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, it's just like, it's just a thing and it's just like, but if it wasn't going to be the over the top AEW themed, it's almost you asking what's the point. It's the, and I will answer you that the point is just to get products out for the AEW games brand, which the fact that they went with the games brand, I do think is an interesting choice just because I feel like. Other than the GM uh, mobile game, which people are still a little bit more hopeful for, even though it's still a mobile game, the console game is really the only one that people really had their eyes on because it's the one with the most promise. It's the one that most people are going to want to get their hands on. It's the one with the most hype. So the fact that they went and just created AEW games as a brand that's going to be more than just the console game, it's not just, hey, AEW is going to be doing a console game in the style of No Mercy. Um no, we're doing a whole bunch of games. So with yeah, that, yeah, I'm they're still spreading a, themselves a little thin with what they can do. I'm going to steal all my family and friends' uh, phones and just download it. <laughs> it's going to have like it's going to have like a million downloads and like thirty thousand are going to be mine from me stealing my people's phones and downloading it for them. Uh, it's just because I like I don't see I don't know about y'all I don't see myself playing it. Not a ton, honestly. I don't play a lot of mobile games anyway, so it's like I don't know. I'll try it. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. I just I just downloaded it. Look, looks all right. Yeah, I might play it if I get super bored or, like you said, mentioned stuck, like you know, getting the car wash or a oil change, some kind of appointment where you want to play around the phone. I might play with it. But you know what? It's just it's just good to get the brand out there, get in the app store, get get you know the AEW letters downloaded on people's phones. And just kind of, you know, build anticipation for, you know, the big game we're all waiting for. Yeah, and, br- and you know, brand awareness is huge. So n- people recognizing that the letters AEW mean wrestling, that's good. Because, again, I say it to the people around me, I am a person that talks a lot, but I talk about wrestling a lot. And when I say AEW, I still have to say it's a wrestling company. I have to tell people what I'm talking about. I I actually had uh, I was doing uh, I was doing some delivery uh, like I do uh, grocery shopping uh, delivery orders and such. And I walked into a Meyer and actually had somebody come up to me. I was wearing the AEW like varsity looking jacket. And someone came up to me asking me like, oh, what school do you wrestle for? I'm like, this is a this is a TV show and I am not a wrestler. 
Hey, shout out. They thought you were a wrestler. You, you, you're working out is uh, working out. Apparently so. I didn't think it worked out that well, but I mean, like, I'm still grinding, I guess. Yeah, I, I had that happen to me uh, wearing a Kenny Omega shirt that has, like, AEW on the sleeve. I had some, like, old lady come up to me asking me if I was a wrestler. So, yeah, I definitely got to work on that brand awareness. Yeah, because yeah. I, yeah, I did. With a casino game, too, it's bland enough that it can get into casuals, like, downloads and such. Since casino games are popular on mobile gaming for casual mobile gamers. So, like, there's a good chance that the brand can get out to people that wouldn't know what AEW is. So, I understand at least the mindset. Absolutely. But... Now, let's really quickly, we have the BTE recap. Uh, I will say, um, as somebody who follows the a, the BTE Championship slash Sammy Guevara Vlogs Championship, uh, it was not defended this week uh, because originally they were going to have Sammy defended against his mom, but then uh, the Texas snowstorms happened and they didn't weren't able to record anything for that. That's my update. But Sammy is still your champion, your BTE. Nope, scratch that. Sammy Guevara, Vlogs champion, and I still love him very much. Yes. Um, this week on BTE, I was uncomfortable with the thirst that the Dark Order shows for Mr. Adam Page. <laughs> uh, they said, if he's a peeing, I'm a watching. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, I will never forget that line in my life. And uh, what what was the new uh, thing? Uh, the rat's pussy? Is no, that, frog, frogs. frog's pussy. Frog's pussy. I was like, okay, yeah. I, I, I've never heard that. But <laughs> as an inside thing between wrestlers, wrestling fans, I'm like, our friends are like, that's the frog's pussy. And like, no one else under around us understand that we're talking about something from a wrestling skit but i thought that was funny and hilarious with gallows and anderson they they are the not safe for work uh the reason i have to watch youtube uh not on my work computer but on like my tv or my phone because they said the reason they took so long to go help the young bucks is because they were nervous and needed to jerk off before they came to save the young bucks. Yeah. <laughs> what is the <this> show? <laughs> it spiraled out into something that we can't really control. It's like, come on, come on back, y'all. We gotta. So yeah. So between them talking about, you know, busting one before they go save their friends, and then uh, John Silver's extreme thirst over Adam Page, it's like the show has become very, very sexually charged. VTE. Uh, um, yeah, I was like, those are like the things that stick out in my head. I know Sammy Guevara not coming to the show every week, so he's like, I'm just gonna defend it against my mom. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, and I like that Hangman has finally, like, okay, I'm not joining the Dark Order, but I'm going to be Dark Order adjacent. And Friends with Bennies. Yeah, friends with Bennies. And I love the Young Bucks middle finger to the world that everyone says about Brandon Cutler and nepotism. He reminds you that he hasn't been on Dynamite since 2019. Believe They were only on TV. Uh, three months in 2019, so just remember that. So he was only on Dynamite. He hasn't been on Dynamite since 2019, and then he won, went a year without winning on Dark. So it's like he's reminding you 
that if this is nepotism, this is the shittiest form of nepotism ever, ever, because <laughs> he is not, and his special benefit, he gets to get destroyed by Jake Hager. Which, yeah. I will always tell you, people, you, I think people start recognizing when it goes to AEW and the roster's a little smaller, but when you see Jake Hager in person, this man is freaking enormous. Like big. Yeah, it's like you like oh, it's like there's he's six five, but there's like six five and then there's Jake Hager six five. He looks six eight. <laughs> when, he's, he's huge. I, I met ran to him at a payway a couple of years ago here in Tampa and yeah, guy is really big. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like I I went to see him in a bar in a bar in Texas and uh like he his shadow it was like you saw him around the corner, his shadow just cast over everyone, and it's just like, yeah, I, I see why you do this for a living. I mean, because you are a huge man. So, um, yeah, but that was Brandon Cutler's reward. And Brandon Cutler's not a short guy. He's kind of tall and lanky, but he's not Jake Hager big. Uh, yeah, I think that was it because it was a rather short show. It was only 17 minutes. They usually get another five, ten minutes out of the BTE, like the number one contenders, and def- uh, defending the title. But I believe, because they didn't do anything with the Spanglish stuff this week. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I believe, yeah, I believe I covered pretty much the the major segments of the show. I'll, I know um, 10 is on cocaine, and his <laughs> phone number spells out cocaine, which is awesome. But, yeah, that was BTE. And nothing really to report from Impact. Kenny hasn't been on there in a few weeks. Yeah, I mean, like I, I we knew there'd be a drop off pretty soon, just because Dynamite's gonna want to push their guys too. It just can't always be AEW guys showing up, but but if they show up again, we'll start talking about it on the show. But yeah, I mean, uh, Kenny's logo's in the uh, for it's in the logo of their next pay per view, which I believe is sometime in April. So I'm yeah, sure yeah, yeah. sometime after Revolution, maybe Kenny will pop back up on there. I'd expect it, honestly, because I think they just enjoyed way too much how how big the pop was when he first showed up uh, after he won the title back in December. Yeah. But now let's cover real quick because we had on Monday we had actually no, it was yes, it was. uh, Yeah, no, it was Monday, I believe, when it came out. Uh, The AW Dynamite Women's Eliminator Tournament. We had the matches two matches in Japan and then the two American matches, which were the American matches were round one. The Japanese matches, I believe were semifinals. Um, the matches that were, that took place were Yuka Sakazaki versus Emi Sakura, Aja Kong versus Ryo Mizunami, Tay Conti versus Nyla Rose and Britt Baker versus Maid Renkowski. As we, uh, have to report because of, uh, injury in training. Anna Jay was unfortunately uh, not able to compete. I believe it was a shoulder dislocation. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the prog- prognosis was about six plus months on the injury, which is just the worst because Anna had been really cultivating a really good personality on BTE with the with the with the uh, Dark Order and. I felt like they were really getting to the point where she was going to have a good uh, put. I don't like we. I was pretty sure she wasn't going to beat Britt Baker in this, but I knew like in the coming weeks, I felt like she was going to get a lot more shine. And having this injury come out of training just sucks so much. And we absolutely wish a speedy recovery to uh, Anna J for uh, as soon as possible because that's just 
it's just sucky. <laughs> that's, that's a bad word to use, but I just the first word that came to my mind. My apologies. But going through the women's eliminator tournament matches, uh, real quick, uh, Jeremy, were you able to watch the matches on YouTube? Yes, I did. I I was watching live for the women's eliminator. Thought it was another good episode. Uh, overall, on the Japanese side, I think Emi Sakura has been the MVP of of the Japanese bracket. You know, we've seen her several times here on AEW and Dynamite, kind of with the the Freddie uh, Mercury gimmick. Um, and you know, honestly, I mean, she's been all right. I haven't been like blown away of her at her time in AEW. Like, I know she's a very good wrestler, but. I don't know what it was, maybe the gimmick change and just a different presentation, but she has been killing it in this women's tournament on Japan bracket and having the best matches. I had a really good match here uh, with Yuka, but in the end, Yuka was able to uh, get the the win on her. Anja Kong and Ryo Mizunami, that was, you know, your your Haas fight there with those uh, two, you know, big ladies going at it, swinging, slugging at each other and... uh, a uh, nice little innovative count-out finish there for uh, Rio to get the win there. Uh, Ty Conti, Nyla Rose, great little backstory with them. This is actually the third time they faced off now, and each time Ty Conti just gets a little bit closer to beating Nyla Rose. Um, this this potentially could have been an upset, but uh, in the end, Nyla Rose just showing why she's the boss. It's that beast bomb, lays Tay out, and then the main event of that show we had, Dr. Brett Baker, DMD, against Maddie Rizgowski. A, a great little story here, even though uh, Maddie was replacing Anna Jay, uh, Maddie is a student of Thunder Rosa, who obviously Britt has been feuding with. And so a great little backstory there. Britt immediately jumps Maddie from the bell, um, pretty much, you know, whips her the whole match. Um, and then after she gets to win, you know, her and Rebel, they draw like, the Thunder Rosa face paint on there so definitely leaves the door open for this continuation of Brit and Thunder Rosa down the line but yeah overall nice uh, solid hour of wrestling here yeah yeah. I, yeah I definitely agree uh I've really enjoyed the women's tournament just uh really really enjoyed the women's tournament um yeah uh with the whole Yuka thing uh I just like man I just think she she has the same kind of real feel to her you just want to root for her. Uh, yeah. She just doesn't give up, so I, I thought that was really cool. And Emmy Sakura, it's definitely the character change. I don't think most Americans, I'm going to raise my hand, if I'm considered most Americans, got her character. Like, right. it, uh, yeah, I think it, people just saw it as just, oh, she does the Freddie Mercury thing, and then kind of was like, is that it? Yeah, right, it, and, and there's been no real like promos or... Know, video vignettes to really kind of explain. I, I know Scalabra has tried to do it on commentary, but it hasn't been like enough like videos or promos kind of explaining why she just was Freddie Mercury and kind of the backstory and the history and just more of the feel of her character. Just she's kind of just been thrown out there to have matches. Yeah, but you know what Americans can identify with? A crown and servants. You know, like she comes out with the crown and she got the two people there. You get it. She thinks she's the queen of Japanese wrestling. No one even had to say that to me. It was like, bam, image, boom. I get what she's trying to come through. I'm just saying it's very simple for American pro wrestling to understand what the crown means. I I am better 
than the other people that I'm going up against. And then her work lines up to it, her playing the heel work, and then even the We Will Rock You thing. It's like, oh, you're a shitty heel, and you're playing We Will Rock You as you're beating the crap out of somebody. It's much, much easier to understand <laughs> and understand than what her character was before, which, again, we had no reference. You know, we didn't know she was this like basically trained everybody she's wrestling against it's like it's so much color got added to the through emmy sakura's character through the women's eliminator tournament i will also say um i have the one that surprised me the most honestly is rio mizunami because she was i thought she would be knocked out uh in honestly i had a feeling that she could get knocked out in the first round but she's survived up to this point and she her match against Aja Kong I think was the point where I was like okay there's I'm, I'm seeing more here because originally I just kind of had nothing really to say about her but uh, I really enjoyed her work against Aja Kong and the fact that she's going to be facing off against Yuka in the Japanese finals I think is going to be a huge shining moment for her though I'm still pulling for Yuka because she's amazing uh, I do think Rio has been a really nice uh, shining spot in this tournament though yeah, if Yuka loses, we riot. It's just that simple. <laughs> it's, just, it's just what happens. It's yeah, it's just. What what, yeah, I mean, I, lo- I love her. It was like, I, I like, I, I said it on the previous week. She was going to be my person that I rooted for. She was going to be my favorite women's wrestler. I saw her immediately. I'm like the magical girl. I'm down yeah. with that. I'm down with that. And then pandemic said nope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pandemic um, said nope to a lot of things in this world. <laughs> no, no kidding. Yeah, but um, they. Uh, I want to also mention how AEW tweeted out a little while ago about how on Sunday on Bleach Report at seven, uh, seven central, seven o'clock Eastern time, they're having a Japanese uh for the women's championship eliminated tournament, uh, six man tag match uh between uh AEW women's champion Hikaru Shida, Mei Sugura, Rin Kadokura. Versus Emi Sakura, Veni, or Asuka, and Makioto on uh, Bleacher Report. I just saw that they tweeted that out a little while ago. And uh, I get to see more Makioto. Fuck yes. Yeah, I've gotten uh, I've gotten a lot of comments from friends like, uh, when is she going to be on TV again? Like, <laughs> some from people that, you know, because honestly, for that first week after they announced the tournament, it was like the only name I saw on Twitter. And it made a lot of people YouTuber and check it, check out the show. And then, like, they was like, OK, we love her. We need more of her. And I'm like. I'm down. Whatever. Let's do it. I like I like I like I like the whole performance aspect. To me it was a very American gimmick. And if she comes over here, it's it's gonna tear the house down. Yeah, that 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 her presentation is definitely made for TV. I loved her whole little pop song she did there for her entrance and yeah. Just imagine once this pandemic is over and we got full buildings and they can bring her over regularly and have her do this pop entrance. And I can't remember somebody, if it was you guys or somebody else was mentioning, like she should do like a American pop song that, um, that you know, the whole U.S. fans would know. And she can come out there and sing that and just get super over. I would think that she could do that um, or, or just like for her entrance, I feel like when live shows are able to have crowds again, just give everybody glow sticks to like, just kick around for the show. I think, I think just like make it like real, like, cause you see those shows of like, cause her character is how she's, uh, she was in a Japanese girl group. You've seen videos of like those shows where they just got like those light up sticks in the crowd and they're just all moving in unison 
to the song, and I think it would be really cool if they brought that over to the states. Well, and, she does an American pop, so I vote a Taylor Swift song because <laughs> I've I've been a Taylor I've been down a Taylor Swift rabbit hole today because of our friend Jackie because she said something about uh. Like the thirteen-year-old version of herself would beat the thirty-year-old version of herself because uh, how much she loves uh, a song. I think it's "You Belong with Me," and I was like, "Okay." And then all of a sudden, this song pops in my head, and I can't shake it. So the only way you know how to do it, the only way to get rid of an earworm is you have to go listen to the whole song. So I listened to that song, and then I listened to another song, and then I listened to another song. T Swift has some bangers. And then, oh, yeah. and then you could bring Taylor Swift <laughs> on TNT, and you have a dual concert with Taylor Swift and Makito. I, I that think would be a get. I that think, think I think getting Taylor Swift on AEW would be bigger than getting The Rock on AEW. <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding, and everyone knows how much I worship The Rock, but Taylor Swift on a wrestling show. Everybody tunes in to and see what not, the fuck that is. And not <laughs> too. Like, that would cause Vince's head to explode. I think. Yes. The biggest female pop star in the world appeared on AEW. Everybody would want to know what's happening. Like, why is Taylor Swift on this? I've never even heard of this company, what a lot of people would say. That would, yeah, that would be crazy. All right. Now, um, I know since we have uh, uh, Jeremy from Keeping It Strong, so I want to talk about uh, New Japan, New Beginning in America, because we have John Moxley versus Kenta uh, to be looking forward to. So, Jeremy, I mean, you're the New Japan guy right now that we have. We brought you on, and I want you to go ahead and tell us uh, thoughts going into John Moxley versus Kenta. Yeah, very excited for Moxley versus Kenta. It's uh, been a match that's been built up for several months now, uh, you know, dating back to the New Japan Cup in the USA where Kenta won the briefcase to write the challenge. You know, since then he's defended the briefcase several times. Probably, I think it's the most briefcase defenses in New Japan history, uh, defeating guys like Hiroshi Tanahashi, Satoshi Kojima, uh, Brody King, um, David Finley. He's been defending this briefcase all over in the U.S. and in Japan. And, you know, it's it's a big match that we didn't think could happen because, you know, Tony Khan didn't allow John Moxley to wrestle for New Japan here in the U.S. And, you know, people just thought the deal wasn't going to happen. You know, the, the whole forbidden door, fans wanted the door to open. And we, it just didn't look the door was going to open. But, you know, they, they, due to the pandemic, they were able to cut a deal. And now we're finally going to get this big match. Kent is finally going to get his U.S. title match against John Moxley on NJPW Strong Friday on NJPWWorld.com. Sign up for that nine ninety nine yen, which is about nine ninety nine uh, U.S. dollars. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to be. I think it's going to be a great matchup here, and I think it's going to be interesting to see which Kenta we get because uh, Mox has been cutting promos on Strong, saying you know how much he respects Kenta and talking about you know. All pro wrestlers from Mox's generation had pretty much steal, stolen Kenta's big moves. You, you think about like CM Punk, who took the, the go to sleep, and Daniel Bryan with the Psycho Knee and the Yes Lock. There's so many guys you can look at their move sets and see like, oh, they they took that from Kenta. Um, and so Mox is, is is asking for that Kenta. He's asking for the Noah Kenta, the Kenta that stood up to Kenta Kobashi um, in Japan. And so that's that's the Kenta he wants. He doesn't he doesn't want the Bullet Club Kenta who's been cheating, hitting people with the briefcase, low blows, 
uh, kind of your traditional bull club heel shenanigans. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of Kenta we get. I think it's going to be a very hard-hitting match. You know, right now it's strong. We don't have – there's no fans in the building right now, so it's you know completely empty arena. So I think they really got to focus the action here in the ring, which I think both these guys can do. And I think it can be a nice hard-hitting matchup and definitely a match that fans should look out for. And, and the result is going to be very interesting. I mean, you know, right now I am predicting Kenta to get the title from Mox so they can get the U.S. title back into New Japan and be able to use that on the shows in Japan. But I still think that there's, there's a chance that Mox could retain, especially now that we're seeing the cracks in the Forbidden Door open. They could keep the title on Mox and just keep that relationship open and eventually get Mox back in Japan. So... It's going to be really interesting to see who walks out with the title. And you know what, Jeremy? You're a pro's pro. Because I was setting up a contest that I didn't even tell anyone about. And the contest is based on who you thought was going to win the match. And then you said it. And that was perfect. So, <laughs> Jeremy said who he thought was going to win the match. I want to give this I want to give this prize to people that actually listen to the show. So, if you DM us at AT Elite Pod with who Jeremy just said was he thought was going to win this match, you will be entered in in a drawing to, of course, get Revolution pay-per-view on us. So it, it, that's that's what you call a little synergy there, using somebody from the other show. So you got to DM at AT Elite Pod and tell us who Jeremy said was going to win the Kenta and, uh, Kenta and Mox match. It doesn't matter if he's right. Because most of you probably won't listen to it until after the match is over. But it doesn't matter if he's right. Just let us know who he picked. And do not, if you comment on who he picks on the show notes, you're disqualified. You get nothing. <laughs> you get you get nothing. You get nothing. I, I will be angry at you, and you get nothing. This is supposed to reward the people that actually listen to the show every week. Thank all the people that just download it. I'm not, dis- I'm not discouraging you. I-, I love you. Thank you for downloading it. But this is for the people that take the hour and hour and a half to actually listen to the show. I am very excited about this match. I am a big Kenta fan. Um I I saw of like when he signed with the WWE. I didn't know who he was, so I YouTubed a bunch of matches. I was really excited. Then we really didn't get the real version of him in the WWE. And when he tried to be the real version of himself in the WWE, that lasted like two matches before he broke someone's eye socket. Uh, yeah, they yeah that that happened. He go to sleep, someone's eye socket, and crushed it. And I don't think the guy's wrestled since, has he, Jeremy? Uh, Brian Kendrick. Yeah, uh, I think he has. He has returned after that, but <laughs> I think he's mainly on 205, which I stopped watching. Yeah, a long time ago. That used Honestly, to. I don't. I don't know the last time that Kendrick <laughs> has been on WWE TV. It's crazy because that used to be like my favorite WWE show. Now <laughs> I'm like, it's. I can't tell you who's on it. <laughs> I can't tell you. I was like, I know it comes on Friday, but um, yeah. So shout out to Kenta. I just think. I mean, and Mox. The great thing about Mox is he's a great promo when he has something he cares about. And that's the great thing AEW and New Japan have done is keep him in feuds that he can sink his teeth to and care about. I think when he cares, he's probably one of the, I I would say, one of the most consistent promos in uh, wrestling. I don't know if he's the best, but all his promos are like 
A's or B's. You know what I mean? He doesn't have any like really horrible promos. So I'm really excited uh, for this match. I personally look at it like there's no way Mox is losing before. It, I mean, if Mox loses, uh, if he Mox loses uh, Friday, he's definitely losing at Resolution. I don't think there's any way they're going to have Mox lose clean to Kenta and then, you know, beat the world champion. Right. Well, you know what? He might not lose clean. There could be some interference. And this is something that I mentioned briefly on keeping a strong style this week. You know, there's one other guy that's, you know, kind of been in this feud, and that's Kenny Omega. We saw Kenta team with Kenny on Dynamite take on Moxley and Archer. Also, we know the exploding barbed wire death match is coming up with Kenny and Mox. So what if, just listen to me for one second here, what if Kenny Omega shows up on New Japan Strong to help Kenta retain or help Kenta win the title? Like, think about how crazy that would be. And Kenny Omega to be back on New Japan programming and to align us up again with Kenta and screw Mox over. Like, that angle would get so much buzz. People would lose their minds. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, I would shit myself if that happens. I plan on watching this shit. I plan on watching this live. And that would be crazy because, you know, when they did this match i mean you want to talk about long-term booking <laughs> when they did this match would be this would be completely crazy uh but i would love it and i love when storylines you know a couple different companies work together with their storylines that would be that would be great i don't know i i just i would go crazy I'm like, dude, I might have, we ha- I have to like do a special show like right after. Like, <laughs> did you see that? I'm like, the door is just not open. I mean, shit. And like, they gave him the key. It's like, dude, just right, come on that, in when you want. And if, if that happens, we'll really see just how much this working relationship is happening. Because remember, this was taped in December. So if Kenny, if they did all that in December, like, there have been talks for a while, and there's definitely way more to come. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that we were able to get you on to talk about that match specifically because I know uh, it's got a lot of AEW uh, implications into it. So I was really glad that we were able to get you on to talk about that match. If you guys are interested to hear about Jeremy talk more about New Japan Pro Wrestling, be sure to check out Keeping It Strong Style here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. But with everything covered outside of Dynamite, we can now get into our Dynamite coverage where we opened up with... The AEW World Champion John Moxley, as we were talking, facing the Hollywood hunk Ryan Nemeth. Really a uh, quick match, I will say. I was glad to see that they gave Ryan a little small uh, moment uh, before the match started, just saying he's going to be trying to go for the star- starring role. He's got like this, he's got like really like trying to work into this like slight A lister gimmick, um, but not going full Miz. Um, I'm glad that they at least gave him a little bit of character to go into the match with, uh, despite the fact that this match was mostly used so that John Maxley could get one real quick win before he brought a chair into the ring talking about the exploding barbed wire death match, which has been like running wild in people's heads uh, for the last week. So he talks about like what exactly comes to your mind uh, come to your mind with images uh, when you hear exploding barbed wire death match about possible fire, blood, burns, torture, agony, vintage Japanese wrestling magazines. And 
the thing he made uh, very clear was that he's an addict, addicted to wrestling, addicted to being in the ring, uh, feeling uh, all the blood, sweat, and tears from the bottom of his soul. And this idea of this match is way too attractive because Kenny is just trying to... He's like, it's almost like it's a trap. So you are very much trying to take me out, and you're not the first nor the last... Uh, he's going to give everything he has, and he even, I will say, I, this is what I saw, slight tease of possible, uh, like, retirement I saw out of this, because he said, if this is the way I go out, it's one hell of a way to go out. So, I mean, like, obviously, they're building this death match up as, like, nobody's gonna be the same coming out of it, but I just, uh, my, my instant mindset was, like, is is he thinking about retiring? I was like, whoa, or just going away for a while because I know Renee uh, Paquette is uh, is uh, still pregnant and such. But um, the match itself, I mean, like, in terms of openings, it was meant for the uh, opening moment of the show being that promo, and then the match was just kind of a little add-on. But I loved this uh, promo because Moxley just built his his energy as the promo continued to move slowly through what he was talking about and then it just got to a nice crescendo before he uh finished it off really strongly uh jeremy real first uh real quick first uh thoughts on this really quick intro match against ryan nemeth with moxley and this promo from moxley yeah, I love the Mox promo, and I love how Dynamite does this. You know, there's several times we've seen where I think they kind of want to start with a promo, but they know they have to start with a match. And I think Mox has been in this role before where you, you kind of give him this quick squash match in the opening of the show, and then he can cut his promo. And so you're, you're giving people what they want. It's starting with a match, but then you're getting to the real point of what you want for the segment, which is the promo. And as we talked about before, Mox is an incredible promo. Uh, if you weren't you know, interested in seeing this match, I, I think a lot of people would have gotten sold this this uh, promo right here, and that's how much he you know is he's pouring his heart and soul into this, and you can tell just how excited he is to to do this matchup. So, really looking forward to that. Uh, like you mentioned, yeah, just quick squash match. Um, I know this is the the proclivity of positivity podcast, but I gotta say, I am not a huge fan of uh, Ryan Nemeth. Um, there are several other talented guys that they have on Dark that I feel like they could have been in this role, and we, we've seen Nemeth a handful of times now between Dynamite and Dark, and honestly, uh, I just think he's Dolph Ziggler light, um, and I just, yeah, he's just not doing it for me. Yeah, he definitely looks like a poor man's Dolph Ziggler, and I, I saw a lot of people, the AEW haters, saying, good lord, is this WWE light? I'm like, the dude lasted eight seconds. I mean, it wasn't like they pushed him to be uh, like on John Moxley's level, uh, but it just seems like he must have something on someone because they have like twenty other people that could have got dropped on their head in this minute, and it's just like that. It would have like done more for it to be on TV. So right. I, 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 yeah, yeah, I just don't. I don't know. I'm like, I mean, could have thrown Aaron Solo, Lee Johnson. I mean, there's so many people that this could have gone to. And Shit, it could have so- been Peter Avalon. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I mean, people expect that from Peter Avalon. It's just like the whole Ryan Neiman thing. I was like, I don't know. I don't, like I said, I think he I think he has some dirt on someone because he keeps getting booked. And I'm just like, I don't feel like he brings anything to the company. Like, yeah, no, his, his promos aren't great. Matches haven't been great. Um, I, I know Cody and Dolph are really good friends. So maybe Dolph was like, hey, Code Man, you know, give, give my brother a shot. 
But yeah, not not digging him. Yeah, I'm like yeah, he like I said, it's one of those things. I see him, and I only see negatives with him. So I, I mean, the negative is you look too much like Dolph Ziggler, but you're not Dolph Ziggler. You don't work like Dolph Ziggler. Right. So you he look like trying to do Dolph's moves, and you're just not as crisp or as smooth. Yeah. So because of that, when people turn it on, they're like, oh, so this is poor WWE. You know what I mean? This is not. This is WWE light, and it's like I'd rather not that be the thought. I mean, I understand him working, and I don't mind him on dark. Yeah, be on dark losing, you know, but on the, on the national TV show, I'd rather you just have someone that's more of an AEW guy. But again, I don't question Tony because generally he has a plan. This is leading to something like I, I just can't I can't see that far in advance yet. And like I said, too, like I was glad that they at least tried to give a little bit of character to him just to see what else he could do with it. I will say the character is completely bland. It's been done before. It's nothing new. It's nothing interesting. Um, in terms of wrestling, like I said, it's nothing like that we haven't seen before. And like 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 you guys said, it's pretty much Dolph Ziggler. Like I'm at least happy that they're trying to do something with him. But what they've been doing has not really made any like ground groundbreaking moves. So, yeah. But I mean, we can we can clearly say like. They didn't. They didn't want to just go full WWE and start with a twenty-minute promo, um, but they did um, give us a really great John Moxley promo after the match, and I'm still completely enthralled with the idea of this uh, exploding barbed wire death match uh, coming up at Revolution. But moving into the next match, we had Team Taz's Absolute Ricky Starks and the Machine Brian Cage t- teaming up to face the Varsity Blondes Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. and I will say, uh, the amount of uh, of times that I've seen uh, the Varsity Blondes, whether it be on Dark, whether it be on Dynamite, I've not had anything really bad to say about them, but I also haven't had anything necessarily great to say about them. I think they do really well with their uh, tag team maneuvers and just, like, uh, double team moves. But other than that, I haven't had a ton of, like, like overtly crazy positive things to say about them. This match still was really strong. Um, I don't, I haven't seen, it's weird. Cause like the idea of Ricky Starks and Brian Cage teaming makes a lot more sense because it's team Taz, but I haven't seen them team together in just straight up tag team matches. Um, and they worked well together. Um, and the match worked really well where Ricky Starks and Brian Cage got the win. And eventually, uh, after the match was over, uh, uh, Taz comes into the ring, screams, hey, you better pay attention uh, because uh, we're just going to keep going until we beat you guys down. And remember, Darby, no one knows where he is. He's nowhere to be found. And at that point, the the, the arena goes dark, and then it shows uh, in the desert a car being dragged, a car dragging a body bag, and the person driving the car is Sting, and in the body bag is... TNT champion Darby Allen, who comes out of the body bag with a smile on his face. Sting's music hits. He brings out the body bag out into the ring. Darby wasn't in the body bag. It was Hook. And that was a nice little spot. And then as as, uh, they're looking at Hook in the body bag, Sting points to the rafters. And Darby fucking Allen zip lines into the ring and then hits Ricky and Brian with his skateboard. And then Sting gets revenge on Brian Cage hitting him with the stinger splash and the scorpion death drop. And it was a nice, really strong move 
um, leading into Revolution to keep uh, hype for this match. This this was the best moment. Like besides seeing Sting take a bump, this was the best way to get people hyped for this match because St- Darby just coming down on a goddamn zip line is one hell of a way to get people to want to see Darby Allen and Sting team. Like that's all I gotta say about that. But real quick, we got Jeremy on this one. What you thinking on the, about uh, this match and this segment, Jeremy? Yeah, so the segment was awesome. It was definitely, you know, reminiscent to WCW when Sting would come down from the rafters on the zip line with the, with the bat and just beat up the NWO. So, again, like I mentioned earlier, they're, they're using the legend Sting to compliment Darby, help get Darby over, kind of portray him as like the new kind of vigilante character fighting off, you know, the evil Team Taz. And so, yeah, that was awesome, him coming down on a zip line with a skateboard and beating up uh, Team Tads. And yes, Sting has been looking great. And, you know, with the face paint and the shape he's in, he, you can't tell that he's, you know, 60, however old he is. He looks like he's looking really good. He took the bump last week. Um, yeah, he, he looks like in great shape because he's going to be ready for this match. I know there's talk about it being cinematic, and he said he wants to do a cinematic match, but I think we're going to see Sting do, do some bumps, do some stuff here. And so I'm pretty excited to see the tag match. Um, I thought this match here uh, was a good matchup. Uh, I think Griff Garrison is a guy that people need to keep their eyes out on. You know, Griff's a guy that I've been watching him from the beginning of Dark. And, he, you know, it's one of those things where you get to watch a guy start off on Dark and really build their way up, get on Dynamite, and just kind of have these these moments and showcase. And I thought he, you know, ran really well here with the hot tag and looked really good. And I think he's going to be the breakout star of that tag team. You know, a lot of people say, you know, do I have to watch AEW Dark every week? No, you don't have to, but Dark is where you kind of get in on the ground floor with a guy like Griff Garrison and watch him just grow and develop. And he's gotten so much better, so much more confidence, and looked really good in this match here, especially when he got that hot tag towards the end there. And I definitely think he's going to be a future star in this company. This was All my right. this was my favorite thing on the show. I marked out hard. I, I thought... Like, I don't use this very much, but I thought this was a perfect segment. And, like, I was one of, if you listen to the show, I am one of the harshest critics of what they've been doing with Sting. I've been bored out of my mind. I was like, I don't get Darby Allen. Oh, yeah, they got Floyd on the hook. I am I am that huge fish that you tell the stories about because they got me. They caught me. And I was like, I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. So many exclamation points. Uh, like, I'm like, I actually, like, right after the show, I watched that segment again because it's just like from him coming out with the body bag. You, Oh, my God, it's Hook in the body bag, not Darby. And then he points to the top, and the 16-year-old Floyd just jumps out of his skin because it was just – that was Sting. That's what they did with Sting. And then Darby did a great job of hitting the people with the, the board before he unhooked himself from the uh, thing. I remember Sting. It was like sometimes he'd be so hooked in, he'd be fighting half of the damn battle with the harness still connect to him. So that brought back images. And then you saw him hit the Stinger Splash, and it wasn't like some old man Stinger Splash where he gets a half an inch off. I mean, it looked like Sting. And then he did the Scorpion Death Drop. I'm like, dude! Oh my God, yes. I was like, dude. It was like, I'm like, when I was young, Sting was my favorite wrestler. So it was just like, okay, we're back. This is Sting. And then it's like, I, I don't want him wrestling every week, but I just... I'm like, if you can't wrestle, don't. And what he, what they've done the last two weeks, 
is they say, okay, okay, you're going to get Sting. And it's going to be a good version of Sting. It's 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 not going to make you wish Sting retired. It's 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 great, and I'm like excited, and it made me love Darby even more. So you, you people ask, is Sting really helping Darby get over with with this guy? It is. It worked with me because, like I said, on a normal day, I don't really understand Darby's gimmick, but oh my god, last night I was the biggest Darby Allen fan in the world. So yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I I, I love this. I could talk for another hour about this segment, but we don't got that kind of time. <laughs> no, we do not. But I'm glad to hear that you got a little bit of pop for Darby though, because I know you've never been the biggest fan of his. But hearing that you enjoyed that segment really makes me happy. But we now had a quick interview with Tony Schiavone. Uh, he interviewed Miro and the newlyweds Kit Sabian and Penelope Ford, and. Um, they talk about the wedding, and Kip talks about how the fact that we're even doing this interview is a joke. Beach Break was supposed to be the best video of our lives, but uh, it was destroyed by uh, Charles and Orange Cassidy. And what happens is um, Miro starts talking about how like they couldn't even go on a honeymoon because of Orange Cassidy and Charles, and he's talking about how he's going to destroy Orange Cassidy, but Charles... Uh, is a different story because uh, not because he can match him in the ring, though. It's just that he likes Charles. He's nice. He's very organized. I thought that was really funny, too. Uh, but he, he kind of is like, come back home. Like, stop hanging out with the riffraff. Come back home. Um, after uh, Miro said that, though, Tony Schiavone was handed a note, and he read it out, and it was, will you wrestle us at Wrestle Revolution? And it was written in pretty much, like, crayon, it looked like. Um, but Miro's response was, this is childish. The fact that you're associating yourself with Orange Cassidy, I'm going to teach you how to be a man. He crumples up the paper and puts it in his mouth and spits it at Tony Schiavone. That caught me so off guard. I burst out laughing. I just, (laughs) I don't know why he did it, but I'm glad he did it because it's the funniest shit I've seen in a while because it just, it was complete and utter nonsense to see him just... Not only just put it in his mouth and just start chewing it, but then just spit it at Tony Schiavone for literally no reason. Um, and again, like I'm glad that Miro's being able to show himself character-wise because he's genuinely entertaining and genuinely funny. I'm hoping that at Revolution we get to see Miro in a really good... I don't know if it'll be a singles match or if they're going to do a tag match. But either way, I hope that we get to see Miro really give a lot of big moves and... In, uh, involve his character too in his wrestling too because he's just way too entertaining not to have his character shine when he's in the ring they announced it as a tag match it is a tag match okay i thought so i didn't want to get it wrong though yeah so we're finally kind of getting the big match i'm sure if trent was healthy this would have been best friends versus miro and kit but also we're getting uh chucky t and orange cassidy yeah miro has been funny i mean i had this hasn't been my favorite feud and you know, I kind of want to see Miro in, in kind of a higher program, but you know what? It's a nice little introductory program to kind of reintroduce him and kind of get his new character over. And yeah, it was a, a little entertaining segment here. And so it should be a fun matchup at Revolution. Yeah, a lot of people compare Miro's booking to his 2015 booking where he was just, he was Ivan Drago, you know? But I what I tell people, compare his booking to the booking when he was last in WWE. 
This is definitely an improvement to that. I mean, he doesn't lose. He doesn't get knocked down very often. You know, even when uh, Chucky e. T and OC attacked, they handcuffed him because they know they didn't want that smoke. So, yeah, the fact that they put it on a love note, basically old, uh, old school kindergarten note, they it's like they threw it even more childish in his face. And I loved his reaction to it. Uh, I love that, you know, he's like Chucky – Stop playing around and come be my servant. <laughs> That's hilarious to me. He yeah, thinks I'll, te- I'll teach you how to be a man. <laughs> yes, he thinks being his servant is an upgrade from hanging with Orange Cassidy. I, I mean, that's that's pretty bold right there. I, I, I do. I, I loved everything about it. I love Kip Sabian as the whiny type heel. That you know, he is definitely a beta in this relationship, and I and I love him in this role. I just think he 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 is very subtly funny, and I just look forward to this match at Revolution. Uh, they seem to be going more matches at this Revolution. Like generally, their pay per views are like six matches, but now it's like it's probably going to be like eight. So I, I do like that about it. Yeah, I think it's going to be. Um they're really trying to make this a really big show, especially just because it's their first pay-per-view of the year. I think they really want to try to start off the year with this pay-per-view really strong. And I think just putting more matches and getting more people involved does help out with that. But after this segment, we had, Oh Jesus God, Brandon Cutler versus uh, Jake Hager. Um, I will say Brandon Cutler uh, tried. He really, really tried. Uh, but it did not work out. Jake Hager just destroyed uh, Brandon Cutler. But I, I will say I'm I'm happy to see Brandon Cutler like work his way up and get himself a dynamite match, even though it didn't work out. Um, I wasn't one of the people that was like tired of him or like just thought like the Bucks were being chauvinistic about the whole thing. Uh, I do think Brandon Cutler has like like. The whole fact that he came out at least a little, like, because when he came out with the with the twenty with like with their, his twenty side die, I was kind of like, eh, like, don't lead into the fact that what you do is just a board game or like a like a tabletop game. Like, actually, go full like like medieval shit like with that. Like, actually, be your character that you would play in D and D and stuff. And like, he came out with the dragon mask. That's much better. That's way more like over the top. Way more better than just I'm gonna roll a dice on the on the ramp. I like that a lot better for him. Um, but honestly, it was a fine match. I will say I'm glad to see that Brandon Cutler's at least developing a little bit more. But the main thing that happened was um, earlier in the show, we saw that uh, Papa Buck and Mama Buck were back at Daly's place. Uh, Bucks were showing him around, showed uh, uh, the, one of the TV trucks that had their faces on it. They took a picture in front of it. Um, after the match was over, though, uh, Wardlow, Santana, and Ortiz come into the ring and they start beating up on Brandon Cutler. Young Bucks then come in, super kick Santana and Ortiz, try to go for Hager, but he got out of the ring. Matt Jackson gets on mic, said, Jericho, MJF, we don't have to wait to revolution. Get your asses down here and we'll do it right now. MJF and Jericho appear on the screen and, as you would have guessed, found Papa Buck, picked him his head up on screen. He's bloodied, throw him into his kids on the on the truck. Be like, go hug your son. Boom. Throw in, like, just getting blood all over the TV trucks. And um, Jericho just goes, he looks pretty rough. You better call a doctor or just come out and pick your trash up. And then they do the pose, run away, 
Matt Jackson and, and Nick Jackson come out and they chase off MJF and Jericho who are in an SUV and they just drive off. Um, yeah, that's um, that's the big moment for MJF and Jericho to inject uh, some heat into this feud. And yeah, I was I was gonna say I was waiting to see if Papa Buck was gonna get murdered after what he pulled last week, and he did. He was very much busted up open, and they ended up taking him away in an ambulance. And even uh, Gallows and Anderson showed up to uh, ride in the ambulance uh, with Papa Buck uh, with uh, with uh, Nick Jackson. I believe Matt stayed back. But that was that segment. I thought it was decent. I thought uh, MJF and Jericho did really good healing it up. And um, I did enjoy a little bit of the character developments, uh, at least presentation-wise, for Brandon Cutler. But real quick, Jeremy, thoughts on this match in particular? Yeah, I thought the match was fine. Um, you know, it's kind of match to get Hager over. Uh, but yeah, the angle was great here at the end with uh, the attack on Papa Buck. And yeah, it just really made this match more personal. Uh, you know, obviously this was a tag title match that's coming up, but it just added another layer to it, um, making it more personal and attack- taking out Papa Buck. And so... That was a great little angle there. Just thinking, you know, imagine the kind of heat this would have gotten like back in the day before we were all smart and you know knew it was a work. Like people would be like sending letters to to ask if Papa Buck is okay. So I thought they did a great job of it. It adds another layer to this rivalry against um, Jericho and MJF. And yeah, it's gonna be a great pay per view match. I um I have two points on this whole section. Second of all, uh, the, the first is the theme of the show is we'll fuck up your family. That was the theme of <laughs> AEW uh, with Hook and, you know, the dad getting beat up. Uh, second of all, I have to point out the hypocrisy in the announce team. Uh, Sting kidnaps Taz's son, puts him in a body bag, and drags him. And everybody's like, yeah, Sting's getting revenge. Yay. <laughs> Jericho, Jericho then beats up the young one's dad. Oh my god, he's so sick. And I'm just like, what's the difference? <laughs> I don't really understand that. Maybe somebody could clear that up for me, but I love that's why I love love pro wrestling. Well, you see Floyd hooked the heel and the bay face. So we got, we're happy when the, when the heels get kidnapped and beaten up. That's we, we gotta, you know, show some remorse for the the baby face dad. Yeah, and as I was saying, that's why I love professional wrestling because literally, like, until I like said something, somebody's like, "Yeah, that is weird." I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> they was like, "Well, you know, Hook tried to beat up or Hook beat up Sting last week." I was like, "Papa Buck swung first to Jericho." <laughs> I'm like, this, it's the same thing. No, I love it. I, I love this whole segment. Uh, it did add some heat to what I considered a heatless match. I was yeah. like, more people were more focused on the whole Sammy Guevara leaving the inner circle thing than they were the uh, Jericho and MJF going against the Young Bucks. Uh, it's funny, last year at Revolution, Jericho and MJF were in matches of their own, MJF with Cody and Jericho in the main event against Moxley. So now they come together to try to win the tag belts from the Young Bucks. I'm looking forward to that match. Like I said, this adds a little heat to it. Uh, I I listened to Joe Lanza, and he says next week, he said next week, and I think he's 100% right, so I wanted to give him credit. We need a fiery babyface promo from the Young Bucks to really drive home that 
Chris Jericho touched her dad, so now the young bucks got to fuck them up. It's it's got to be it's got to be aggressive. I'm like <laughs> it's got to be like yeah. I want to see a little mox. You know, I don't want them to go full mox, but I want to see a little bit of that mox in them. Like I am coming to fight you, Sunday. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I like I think I think this sec- uh, section was perfect. Man, I honestly thought this was like a perfect episode of Dynamite. Generally, I could like oh, I really don't like this, but I think everything hit and everything did its job building to the next thing. Yeah. yeah and leading into revolution, that's what exactly we need for dynamite leading into this pay-per-view. So absolutely. After this was private parties, Isaiah Cassidy having Matt Hardy and TH2 on his side versus hangman, Adam page. Now I got to say, um, Isaiah Cassidy still in singles competition does unbelievably well and i just love this kind of back and forth that's going on with hangman and matt hardy and his crew and the dark order it's been nothing but fun just seeing matt hardy being i mean uh, seeing adam page being tugged around by these two sides that just want him so desperately but now matt hardy's just like okay we're just gonna fuck you up now uh hangman did really really well in this match too he's still like been consistently one of the best things on dynamite um there were some pretty decent spots by uh, Isaiah Cassidy. I do remember a couple slippery uh, uh, moves, I believe, during the match. I can't remember any specifics, but I do know there was a couple spots that might have been a little bit shaky, but nothing too bad that would have uh, hurt the match in general. But uh, Dead Eye was actually the Dead Eye was actually be able to was able to be used uh, for the pin, which I was happy to see because we're so used to the Buckshot Lariat, which is still such an amazing finisher that I was actually really happy to see that they used the Dead Eye for the finish for Hangman. Um, but after the match was over, Matt Hardy goes, "You chose the Dark Over over Big Money Matt Hardy. I was going to give you the world. You betrayed me, and now I'm going to hurt." you in more ways than you can imagine and every single member of the dark order that you love so much which i thought was funny i was like well he's not with them so i don't know exactly how much he loves them but he just proceeds to take alan angels number five and throw him off the stage into a table and eventually dark order and hangman uh chased him up um because i will say too in the middle of the match alex reynolds and john silvers uh came down to the ring uh and was able to get matt hardy ejected uh, from the match, which was good on them. Uh, and that led to Matt throwing five off of the fucking stage. But I really enjoyed this match. This was one of the uh, one of the higher moments on the show, I think, for me. I thought this was really well done. Um, Alex Reynolds and John Sobers consistently going to help out Hangman, even though necessarily, like, he kind of told them, like, no thank you, is just showing how dedicated they are to this guy. And, like, I'm telling you, when... Hangman eventually joins the Dark Order. It's like, I need a full crowd there, because that pop will be amazing. Yeah, this was a good match and segment here. Um, A nice, good, long match, a nice showcase for King Isaiah, as uh, Matt Hardy calls him now. And, yeah, just kind of highlighting two young stars here in AEW. Like you mentioned, Austin, uh, I really like that page one with the dead eye. I, I feel like it's been a while since he's hit that move, and I just want to match with that. And AEW is really good at establishing uh, secondary and uh, you know tertiary finishers for guys, and, and letting you know like a match can kind of end out of nowhere with, with other moves besides the primary finisher. So I'm happy that he's able to that he pulled out the dead eye here again. And yeah, Hangman is a, a lot of cool moves. He had a brainbuster in this match, a Death Valley driver. 
Um, Isaiah looked really good in this match, like I mentioned, and had a lot of cool moves as well. And yeah, I'm really interested to see kind of how where this whole angle is going to go. Let's get into the, you know, the big money match, and the loser is going to lose all their earnings for the first quarter. So I'm sure we'll get some fun vignettes on either guy if they that they lose their earnings for the first quarter. And obviously, yeah, this is going to lead to Hangman joining the Dark Order and being their leader, I think. And so that should be some entertaining stuff there. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh I'm looking forward to Hangman uh and Matt Hardy. I did never thought that like if you said well, if you told me a month or two ago, you know, a revolution hangman's gonna be wrestling Matt Hardy, and I would be like, Why? <laughs> I don't wanna see that. And now they've done everything they can over the last month, building up especially identifying and building up uh Matt Hardy as this heel carny character that you just want to see him get beat up and who's the perfect guy to do that the hangman in a money match which is even awesome even more awesome it gives some stipulations that you wouldn't normally expect uh john silver and alex reynolds is floyd when he was like 17 and i'd be in the chick and she's like well let's just be friends and, you know and my heart would sink <laughs> but then i'm like well i'm just gonna show her how good of a friend i can be so she'll love me and yeah that's pretty much what uh silver and reynolds is doing so it's very familiar and it, it makes me laugh because you know it's like oh no no we don't want to date anymore we're we're just going to be the best friend we can but in the back of your head like yeah i want to date yeah I, I still love you that kind of thing so i get it and with them you know wanting to see his penis they're a little more they're a little more forward they're a little more forward than me but you know it still works and, and you know one <laughs> thing I, i've noticed with uh matt hardy i feel like anytime he's by himself and he try he tries to be a baby face it doesn't work out when he's by himself and he's a heel, it's always good stuff. Like, he did this big money Matt gimmick in Ring of Honor. He had the whole, like, iconic heel gimmick that he did in, in Ring of Honor 2. There was Broken Matt, which started off as a heel in Impact. And so, there's a, you know, there was version 1 um, in WWE. I feel like anytime he goes heel for singles, it's just great. He's a great promo, just so arrogant and smug. And just works out so much better than trying to him being a babyface by himself. Yeah, that makes so much more sense because it's it's like when he's a babyface though, like and it's it's not his fault, but like the Hardys will always be tied together, and it's just how things go. As babyfaces, they always work better together. But Matt is a genuine, really good heel, and this gimmick has done wonders for him. As people, I think we're starting to get to the point where like the the multiverse of Matt with Broken Matt Hardy was starting to reach the end of its road. And I think people were starting to see that. And the fact that Matt Hardy was able to quickly see that jump on that and flip it around with uh, bringing in big money, Matt is wonderful. And I think it's all credit to him for being able to pull that out. I think it's what really strong. It's what AEW does. Uh, Shout out to Tony and all the brain trust at AEW. Like, they don't just realize what's working and give it to you. They are very quick about realizing what's not working. The broken yeah. hardy gimmick was not working and they just killed it. Like done. Let's then they said pivot, let's go this different way, and they did it in a sensical manner. Yeah. I think the pro the broken gimmick, you 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 really need fans in there to do the delete chance, and then that's what really gets it over without the fans. It just kind of came off kind of flat and a little bit hokey. Yeah, and 
it, it kind of worked out perfectly because you know Broken Matt was created an, an impact. You know, I think it was like a ladder match or something like that where Matt like went through tables or whatever in a big match with Jeff Hardy and became broken. And so pretty much you know he, he kind of started pivoting after the the, the all out incident with uh, Sammy G. So he kind of got you know unbroken by being broken. And so kind of makes sense a little bit. <laughs> yeah. After this though. We had Alex Marvez meeting up with Kenny Omega and Don, Call- Don Callis, and they were welding. Jesus Christ, these segments. They were constructing the Moxley extermination chamber, according to Don Callis. And Omega was just like, You want something right? You got to do it yourself. I just found it fucking hysterical just seeing uh, Kenny Omega trying to weld shit. And also, this promo was really funny just because they were trying to cut their promo. Wow, someone's just using welding equipment that's loud as shit in the background. It was a fucking thing. I don't even know what else to say about this segment. It was just funny. Every single time Kenny and Don Callis have a segment with Marvis trying to interview him, it's always the most random-ass shit, I swear. But unless you guys have anything else you want to say about that, this little quick segment, which there's not a ton to say, I can understand if you don't have anything else, uh, I can get into the next match if you want. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add. Uh, he looked like he was building a bomb, and that was pretty cool. Something yeah. along the lines of that. But after this was the semifinal match from the U.S. bracket for the AEW Women's World Championship Eliminated Tournament, Dr. Britt Baker versus the native beast Nyla Rose. This match caught me off guard because I thought Britt Baker was going to the finals. I really thought she was going all the way to the finals, but... It was not to be. She uh, Nyla Rose got the victory in this match. I will say, um, Britt is consistently putting on really good matches, and she's like, I'm, it's been such a huge commodity to have her back after her injury. Um, but I was honestly surprised about the fact that we didn't see uh, Britt Baker move on to the finals of the U.S. side or just the finals in general because I thought she was a near guarantee to go all the way. But Nyla. Was one of the was a former AEW Women's Champion. She's still really good. I think she can still do great stuff. And I'm like I'm fine with this. I'm totally fine with this. But I was more caught off guard because I thought this was a foregone conclusion that it was going to be Brit. I could be wrong, but that was in my mind. I was like, oh yeah, this is Brits to Brits to win. But match itself was really really good. Um, I would say. Um, Again, a, a very strong match. Um, it's not going to be able to top what uh, the main event was, which we'll get into in a minute. But it was still really, really good. And I'm glad to see that this tournament is doing a lot of good things of getting uh, a lot of eyes on women's wrestling in AEW. And I I was so excited for this tournament. It's been delivering every single time. But we'll go to Jeremy first on this one. Jeremy, thoughts on this semifinals match? Yeah, I was really anticipating this match. I mean, Nyla Rose and Britt Baker, kind of two of the original women on the roster, two women that have pushed throughout the time of Dynamite, and kind of an interesting match for a second-round matchup here. And, yeah, I thought both ladies worked really hard. Um, You know, it wasn't a blow-away match or anything, or a match that's going to change the division, but they worked really hard. And, yeah, you know, just kind of getting the, over the, the the strength and power and determination of uh, Nyla Rose and just kind of taking everything that Britt Baker was throwing at her. And also, you know, Britt had Rebel out there running distraction, running interference as well. And just showing just how, you know, just how tough Britt is as well, fighting off Nyla Rose. And there's several, there's several great near falls towards the end there 
and the several near submissions with uh, Britt getting the the locked jaw almost locked in, and there was one point where she turned the locked jaw like into like, a crucifix bomb and got a quick near fall there. I thought that was going to be it there. And like you, Austin, I had Britt uh, winning this match. I had Britt winning the whole tournament. Um, I thought they were going to do Britt and Yuka in the finals because uh, you know they were there was they were building a Britt Yuka program before the pandemic. So you know it's a great way to get back to that, have Britt get her win back, and then. You know, you can strap up DMD, put the belt on her, have her beat she that revolution. But clearly that's not the plan. And I'm, I'm guessing uh, we're probably going to get more Brit Thunder Rosa. For whatever reason, that's why she needed to lose here. Uh, but, yeah, overall, I, I was I was happy with this, how this turned out. And, yeah, looking forward to see how, how this tournament plays out now with Nyla moving forward. Yeah, I really enjoyed this match. I loved how Brit kept going for the lockjaw. Almost, if you're looking at it as a, you know, like a real sports view, almost to her detriment. Most people, when something's not working, you know, you need to pivot. And she did not pivot. She's like, I'm going to put you in this lockdown. I am going to tap you out the way I want to. And in the end, Nyla was like too big for her to ever actually get it fully locked in. And Nyla was able to overpower her hit her with one beast bomb and she kicked out, which was awesome. And then she hit her with the second beast bomb and that was just too much. Just like everybody else I had, I thought it was a foregone conclusion. This was Britt Baker's ascent to the top of the women's division. Uh, It wasn't. I do like the feud with Thunder Rosa. So if that's what they're going with is continuing that. Sign me up all day and all night. I really enjoyed the match. Looking forward to Nyla fighting the winner of the other match. And, yeah, we're going to see. I think it's uh, yeah, it's Rio versus Thunder Rosa. So you either get Rio versus Nyla or you get Thunder Rosa versus Nyla. You sign me up for either one of those matches. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Now, main event time. This match was settled, was announced earlier in the show where uh, they showed uh, talk about the face of the revolution um, ladder match. And um, there was a little bit of an argument between Ray Phoenix and uh, Lance Archer of who was the real like powerhouse and who was doing the most effort on the tag team, which caused them to get into a little bit of a fight backstage. And this match is a qualifier for the face of the, Re- the revolution ladder match. And it's Ray Phoenix versus Lance Archer. I will say this a thousand times until they do it. Ray Phoenix needs to be a champion AEW, like ASAP. This dude, I'm, I cannot stop watching the shit that he does. Every match he has, he pulls something out that just completely throws me off guard. And he is truly one of the best wrestlers, not just in AEW, but just in pro wrestling right now, I feel like. Lance Archer, too. If you would have told me this guy, like, coming into AEW, like, was going to turn into this, like, chaotic, neutral, like, just bounty hunter sort of character that's led by uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, I would have thought that would have been a complete dud. But he's won me over with, like, how he's just, like, like I said, he's pretty much chaotic, neutral. And how he just goes where he wants to go. He likes who he likes. He dislikes who he doesn't like. And most likely, it's if you got in his way once, there's a very good reason as to why he doesn't like you. And it, it just goes across heel or babyface. And it works so well, too, just because I think Jake the Snake does a great job of showing like how he controls him, but he can't control him all the time. 
But this main event was so good, and having Lance Archer get the victory, though I would have loved to seen Ray Phoenix in this ladder match, you get a big guy in that match. And ladder matches um, are always good when you have at least one big guy to really be an, uh, an outstanding force that can cause other crazy spots in the match. We already have Penta in there. I guess it would have been a little bit redundant to have Ray Phoenix in there as well. But despite that, I'm still happy to see Lance Archer get the win. Also love the fact of how when uh, Ray Phoenix was slowly getting up after the match, he still proceeded to give him a fist bump after the match was over, showing that, like, hey, we're still cool, but I I kicked the shit out of you. Um, This was a hell of a main event. I really enjoy these two. And, again, Lance Archer has been a huge surprise to me, but Ray Phoenix needs to be champion as soon as possible. Like, I don't care if it's TNT championship, tag team titles, fucking AEW world title, it doesn't matter. This man needs to be a champion in AEW sooner rather than later. But real quick, we'll go to Jeremy. Thoughts on the main event of this Dynamite? Yeah, this was a freaking awesome main event. I love this matchup. I love the work that Archer and Phoenix have been doing in the main events the last several weeks. Both these guys have been killing it in such a tough position here because I think both of these guys should be in the ladder matches for the work they've done in the main events. I feel like both guys have been really heated up and have gotten over. And you know they did tease this match going to the TV time limit and to a draw. And so I, I was kind of... I know I'm not the biggest fan of draws, but I think when done right, it can work out. And I was kind of hoping these guys would go to the draw so both of them could uh, get into the ladder match. But yeah, this match was phenomenal. Ray Phoenix is, is phenomenal. Um, just all of the stuff he did in this match, you know, the, the tope over Jake Roberts to Archer on the outside, the big uh, suicide um, senton tope when he rolls into the crowd, lands on his feet, uh, giving Archer a Spanish fly. Um, the rope running spot that he does, uh, Archer doing the the rope uh, the rope walk spot into the moon salt and just kind of his big power moves and just killing him with the blackout. I was a little scared because it looked like Phoenix didn't quite like tuck all the way over and just kind of drilled and came straight down. That was kind of a crazy finish there, but yeah, so many great spots and uh, moves in this matchup. Both these guys are great. I think it'll be a great spotlight for Archer. They've kind of he's kind of been on the back burner a little bit since you know losing in the in the TNT finals to Cody, but they have done a great job here reheating him up now, getting him involved in you know the the Eddie Kingston kind of feud that kind of spilling over into this uh, TNT title opportunity here. So I think Arch will will do great in the ladder match. You need a big guy in there that can can base and catch with some of those flyers that'll be in the ladder match, and then plus Archer's he's a flyer himself, and so. I think, you know, he's a guy that could potentially win and get back in that TNT title picture. Yeah, this match was the only only other part of Dynamite that I watched twice because I watched it the first time. But as some people might know, I work while watching it and I didn't get to take everything in. And it was like, but everything I saw was amazing. So I was like, OK, I'm going to watch this again. And I was even more impressed uh, when before this uh, before dynamite started and before aew started if jeremy remembers on all things elite he was probably a guest and i said we were talking about who the breakout stars would be coming up and i would always say pentagon and ray phoenix and it it has taken longer than i thought but it feels like he's breaking out right now it's like i know it's like 10 15 years in the business it's kind of crazy to break out after that long but it's just starting to with his consistent performances there every week 
I'm starting to get people that are not even wrestling fans say, who's that mask guy that was in the main event? And it's like, he might be the best wrestler in the world. I think he's definitely, I think he's definitely in the conversation. I'm like, I, I can't say it 100% because Kenny Omega exists and Kazuchika Okada exists, but fucking Ray Phoenix is in the conversation. Every time he wrestles, he does something that I don't think I've seen before or I've seen so rare that I'm not, I can't recognize that I've seen before. The Spanish fly on Lance Archer. And Lance Archer, dude, how good is he? Oh, my God, he's good. It's like probably the best big man in wrestling right now as far as the most versatile big man in wrestling. And he's had neck surgery. And he's out there just wrestling like he's wrestling like, he doesn't have a job waiting on him. Like this is he's wrestling like the money's not guaranteed. You know what I mean? And it's it's crazy how good this match was. And it was like I even saw they went to commercial like at twenty with twenty five minutes left. I'm like, okay, so they're gonna come back from commercial. And we're gonna get twenty minutes of this. And it was like twenty minutes wasn't enough. I was right there with Jeremy. Let's go to a draw. Let's run this back next week. Put it right back in the main event. I don't care. You know, just let, let, let's start the show with it next week so it can go as long as it wants. I, I The contrast in size and styles, it was it was amazing. It, it, like, it looked like something you would just see on an indie show, WrestleMania weekend. You get so many different types of wrestling on this show. Yeah, you know, um, I've been slowly like, getting my, my girlfriend into watching some wrestling, and so she's seen two Phoenix matches. She saw... Phoenix and a couple of the main events, the multi-man tags, and he's just like, wow, that guy is absolutely incredible. To your point, Floyd, like, you know, for somebody that has no experience watching wrestling at all, she was gravitated to Phoenix's all the awesome and amazing things that he was doing in, in the matches. And so he's definitely going to be that guy that can capture, you know, that that casual or the fan, your, the, your friend that you're, or coworker that you're trying to get to watch wrestling. He, he just does so many incredible maneuvers. No kidding, man. And see, I just cannot, I can't get over Phoenix and AEW. And like I said, uh, oh my God, dude. Like I said, I would have been fine if they ran that match back. Honestly, I would have been totally fine with it because Lance Archer and Ray Phoenix, they've been nothing short of amazing. But that, I think, will wrap it up for this episode of Dynamite uh, coverage. Uh, We'll really quickly get into the preview for next week's Dynamite. Of course, we also have the finals on the Japanese side. For the AEW Women's Championship uh, tournament, which will be, uh, let me make sure I get my this right. It's going to be uh, Yuka Zakazaki versus Ryo Mizunami, which will be on Sunday on Bleacher Report, which is also where they'll be having the six-man tag match with Hikaru Shida, Meisugura, Rin Katakura versus Emi Sakura, Veni, and Maki Ito. Um, but on Dynamite, we're going to be having. The Cody and Red Velvet versus Shaquille O'Neal and Jade Cargill match, which has been been teased for months now, and we're finally going to be able to see exactly what we're going to get with Shaq in the wrestling ring. But it's mostly looking to like it's going to be Jade Cargill's coming out party for her. We have Tully Blanchard returning on AEW t- with FTW. It's going to be FTR and not FTW, sorry, FTR and Tully Blanchard versus Jurassic Express in six-man tag match. So Tully will actually be back in the ring wrestling. Jericho and MJF will be having a Revolution press conference. Ten will be taking on Max Caster. 
and we'll have the women's elimination fi- eliminator finals and an interview with Paul White. And remember, on Monday at 7 Eastern will also be the debut of the new AEW Dark Evelation, which will be commentated by Tony Schiavone and Paul White. It, it, that is March 15th. Is the Oh, that's March 15th. Dark Evelation. My apologies. Yes. Uh, yeah, the odds of March that we will get it. Uh, so yeah, it's. I mean, there's a lot of exciting uh, stuff coming up. Uh, Revolution tickets go on sale tomorrow. The new game comes out tomorrow. All that crap. Uh, casino uh, tag team battle royal. Did they say that on the show? Let me ask both of you. Did they say that on the show, or was that a Twitter exclusive? I no. don't know. They said, they said it on the show, so they ran down like all yeah, dynamite they, for next week, and then they ran down Revolution. They did announce that the, tag, the casino tag battle royal. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I completely missed it on the show. I'm like, okay, that's that's a thing that's happening. I'm I'm excited. Um, yeah, uh, I wanted to throw out there really quick. If you're gonna steal my answers from the show, give me credit. Thanks. <laughs> before I even say, like, before it was even brought up that the. Uh, the 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 sixth guy in the ladder was going to be uh was going to be a secret. I said it's probably going to be a secret, and I think it's going to be Ethan Page. And then someone said, oh, "I think the secret guy is going to be Ethan Page." And I'm like, "You son of a bitch! Don't steal my ass! <laughs> just just tag just tag AT Elite Pod in the thing and say I heard it here first because." I said I wanted to throw it out there before anybody guessed it. So I, I was very excited about that. I listened to Tony Khan this week. Uh, listened to Tony Khan this week on some podcast. Honestly, he's been on so much stuff. I don't remember which one. And he's just, it's, dude, I just love listening to him talk because it sounds like me. It's like, hey, what if I had money and got to run my own wrestling organization? There you go, and it's 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 very appealing to me. It's like it's like you tell me, hey, you can go to this show, or that show. Well, I'm gonna go to the show that's ran by the guy that's kind of like me, <laughs> you know. And it's like <laughs> it's like no, without a doubt. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to everything next week, Cody and Shaq. I'm just telling you, watch out for that. This match is to get Jade over. I understand when you're watching this match, you're, you're like, uh, Cody and Shaq. Might have a lot of contact. They might not. But the point of this match is to get Jade over. She's going to pin Red Velvet. Come to me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I I, I will never mention it again. But I know I'm right. What do you think? Real quick, too, I want to say also beforehand, I forgot one other match that's going to be on next week's Dynamite, which will be Matt Hardy, Private Party, and TH2 teaming up. In five-on-five competition against the Dark Order, which will be Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, Alex Reynolds, Five, and John Silver. Yeah, that, and that should be fun. I don't like ten-man tags, but AEW has a way of making them interesting. Especially if Dark Order's involved, I'm I, I'm okay with that. But yeah, well, yeah. I will say um, again, I I'm interested to see exactly what Shaq can do. But this match is specifically for Jade Cargill. They really want to get her over, and Red Velvet will. Like I, I'm all with Floyd on that. But he'll she'll probably take the pin, and Shaq can go and go on inside the NBA and brag about how he won a wrestling match. And then like Ernie Johnson will just be like, "Oh boy!" And then I'm sure uh, everyone else on the show will be like looking over at AEW, like, "Hey, can we get a match too? Maybe just so he sh- he'll shut up." Yeah, it w- yeah, it was really cool because this week on the, the NBA on TNT. 
Shaq and Charles Barkley were arguing over who won. And he was like, uh, Charles Barkley's like, you know Cody's from a wrestling family. That this is like in his blood. And he's like, I don't care. Shaq's like, I don't care. But they're talking about wrestling. Like, shoot, talking about wrestling. And I'm oh, like, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is this is awesome. <laughs> I'm like, this is cool. Definitely a great exposure for AEW and kind of that, that cross, you know, promotion there, getting that, that NBA audience over. And yeah, it's gonna be really interesting to see what Shaq is gonna do here. You know, we like what we talked about earlier, we saw the whole angle in WWE of him and Big Show and the potential match that was supposed to happen there. And so yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see because you know, we, we really we haven't seen any kind of training videos or anything of him actually training in ring. We, we saw that basketball, you know, promo thing last week with Jade shooting, you know, shooting the pointers and him shooting the three pointers or whatever. And so, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a question mark. Like, can is he going to be able to go and like kind of what they do? But like you guys said, I definitely think the focus is going to be on the interaction between Jade and Red Velvet. And this is a big spot for Red Velvet as well. Because uh, obviously, you know, Brandy was supposed to be in this match before she got pregnant. So this is going to be a nice little elevation for Red Velvet, her being in, in there with Cody in, a, in this big matchup here. So elevation for her, big debut for Jade. Yeah, I definitely see Jade getting the win here and kind of the start of her push. Yeah, uh, and there is pressure on Tony Khan in this situation because if these aren't the most epic entrances ever on this match, then you will let me down because I feel like Cody always goes. Cody's entrance always looks like a WrestleMania entrance and Red Velvet will be with him. But I'm like, Shaq, with as big as his ego is, doesn't his entrance got to be just a little bit bigger than Cody's? Little like one more pyro firework, and how big a star Jay Cargill is. I mean, dude, when you look at her, it's like you can't help but look at her. She looks like she could mess somebody up, and you know, it's like you're introducing her to the world. If I just feel like we're gonna get two mega entrances next week, and if they let me down again, I won't say anything about it because that means I'm wrong, and I don't like that word. But, uh, yeah, I'm re- I am really looking forward to what they do and how they present her because it's everything. It's like the women's division is slowly getting better. But if they could get someone to level and the stardom that, you know, with her social media following that Jade Harkill brings with her and they present her the right way, it could, you know, accelerate the progress of the women's division. Yeah, no kidding. But I think that'll wrap it up for this episode of All Things Elite. Real quickly, thank you once again to Jeremy Donovan of Keeping It Strong Style for joining us on this episode of All Things Elite. If you guys want to check out Jeremy's show, Keeping It Strong Style, be sure to check it out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It's part of the Social Suplex family. Be sure to shout him out, too, on Twitter. Thanks again, Jeremy, for joining us. We really appreciate having you on every time. No problem, man. It's always a pleasure to be on here and talk about AEW. I love AEW, and also, you know, I'm covering New Japan, so I don't really get a lot of chances to talk that much about AEW. So, you know, anytime you guys need a guest, I'm always down to come on. But, yeah, you can check out Keeping a Strong Style. We're actually going to have a big episode next week because we're going to be reviewing the Castle Attack shows that are happening this weekend. Also, the anniversary show is next week, as well as the start of the New Japan Cup. There's a lot of big stuff happening in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. We're also going to have uh, Chris Samson on from SportProWrestling.com, who does all the stats 
for New Japan. You know, if you hear on commentary, Kevin Kellen saying stats and mentioning Chris Samsa, that's him. He'll be on the show next week to help us talk about all this crazy stuff, talking about New Japan. Of course, we'll talk about Mox and Kenta and the result of that and what happens there and if there's going to be any more involvement with, with AEW going down the line, if the crack and the forbidden door is going to get a little bit more open. So a lot, a lot of interesting stuff happening in both New Japan and AEW right now. And if people want to check you guys out on social media, what are your socials? Yeah, you can follow the show at KI Strong Style. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. Also, you can check out our Discord server. Also, we have the, the Wrestling Squared Circle group on Facebook. Lots of different ways to connect with us and inter- interact and uh, you know get involved. All right. And if you guys are enjoying the show, All Things Elite, if you guys are enjoying this show, be sure to download it. Be sure to leave a rating and review. Share us around with your family, friends, whoever you would like. You can leave a donation through Red Circle if you enjoy us oh so much. And we'd be very appreciative of that. And on Twitter, we are at AT Elite Pod. At social suplex are the guys that make all of this possible, getting us all in the same in, in the same Skype call. I am at Sumer4. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And with that out of the way, Floyd, you can go ahead and take us home for this episode of All Things Elite. Okay, ton of wrestling coming up. Uh, we're looking at the the Sunday show on Bleacher Report. <laughs> we're looking at uh, the Monday or I don't is there a show Monday Monday show and then dark and then now we're going to be adding a show just make sure you're watching as much as you can youtube it's on your phone you know so you got the internet you're waiting on your oil change just you know throw it on watch it a little bit uh just make sure you're supporting the product support new japan support wrestling in general uh you know it's people talk about the waning uh people talk about the waning interest in pro wrestling it's not it's like one of the highest it's been in 20 years it's just not necessarily with the main wrestling product out there. So make sure you're supporting all the wrestling, buying the shirts, doing what you can to support it. You know, this is my cheerleader, rah, 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 go wrestling conversation. But in the end, whether it is home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.